Well, good morning. My name is Greg. I'm the Youth and Children's Director here at Sunrise, and I get to be a part of the preaching team as well, where I get to come and share uh, God's message with you, and so I'm excited about that. Um, but before we get too far into it, I want to dismiss our kids to children and worship time. That's for ages uh, three years old up to fifth grade, uh, going into hearing God's word and uh, getting to bring it down to a level that, you know, they can engage in and have fun and, and have snacks and all that good stuff. So um, we also have the nursery available as well. So uh, that's available for anyone younger than that. And uh, you can take advantage of that. All right, so we're going to be jumping in to this series that we've been doing, which is all about how God has tools that he's using to shape our hearts and our minds. And so uh, hopefully this has been a good time for you, uh, just learning about some new ways that maybe God wants to change your heart and your mind, how these can work in your life in new ways. Uh, But, you know, each one of these things that we've kind of covered over the last uh, several weeks, it's uh, one of those things that... uh, there's this like idea where you can look at these things and you can say, man, I, I, need, a, I need a change in my life. I, I want that to be a part of my life, like prayer. I need to grow in prayer. And it's one thing to say, I need to grow in prayer and then just leave it there. It's a whole nother type of uh, maturity or level that you get to when you say, I'm going to put this in my schedule. I'm going to uh, wake up five minutes more or, you know, earlier just so I can make sure that when I'm having my coffee, I have that five minutes to pray. Uh, or, you know, I'm going to make sure that I have a timer go off at 8 o'clock each night so that I can make sure I have 5 to 10 minutes of prayer. That's a whole different level of commitment there. Uh, the same with tithing. You know, if you're saying, I need to grow in my tithing, I need, want to be more generous, it's one thing to say that, and that's a good thing, that's a good place to start. It's a whole other one to actually hit the budget and say, you know, I'm going to look it over, I'm going to do it, I'm going to find where that money is going to come from so that uh, when I do give, I'm not then given away the grocery money and, and filling, you know, that burn later. So um, it's, it, those are two different levels. And the same thing will go with our uh, habit or our, our tool for today of Sabbath. And so when you hear that word Sabbath, sometimes we can come at it from two different perspectives. Uh, we can hear that, and, and one t- way you can be sitting there thinking, yes, this is the Sunday I've been waiting for, all right? Day off. Let's get the pajama pants on and let's just like kick back, watch TV. This is the tool for me. Yes, Jesus, sign me up, right? And that can be your, your kind of idea when it comes to Sabbath. You think, ah, day off, that sounds great. I could, I could really get into that kind of tool or that kind of discipline. The other way that you can be thinking about it is this. You can hear that and you can think, yeah, that's cute. Uh, when do I fit that into my schedule? You know, I'm way too busy. I got way too many other things going on in my life for me to try to fit just a, a day off. Yeah, okay, whatever. You don't know how busy my life is. Uh, and I have to tell you that I am much more of that way than I am the, the day off way. I, I, I'm, I'm much more of the, I, I can't fit it in. I'll take a days off later. And, uh, you know, that's kind of our culture in America, Uh, is this like go hustle hard, earn it mentality. And and that's good. I think there's a lot of things about that that is really good. But sometimes we kind of take it to an extreme, to an unhealthy place. When we uh, make that our most focused thing, where that's our, our entire life is work hard, work hard, work hard. And it's all about the hustle. It's all about how much you're willing to sacrifice to get to that place where you have in your head as the goal. 
In fact, uh, if you look at some polls out there, there's polls for everything, as everyone knows, but uh, one, some of the polls that say that about 70% of uh, adults who have paid time off don't use all of it. And most of us don't, and I, I'm definitely in that category. Uh, Flurry will sometimes come to me, and she's like, you have too much time off. You need to, you need to take some of that. And I'm like, okay. You know, <laughs> and sometimes for, for some reason, it feels more like a burden, and Russ and I talk about that, too. It's like some... For some jobs, you know, you can go away and someone, you know, is a substitute for your job or fills in. And uh, for our positions, that's not the case. It just sits there and waits for you and grows the piles, right? And uh, many of us are in that same category of your, your job is when, when you take time off. And we can make all these excuses why we're not going to take that time off, that rest. Um, and yet we see that there is a desperate need. There's a, there's a lot of intentionality when it comes to God's instruction around rest, around Sabbath, and so we're going to jump right into that. We start right there in Genesis 1 and 2 with creation. God uh, is creating everything. He's, he's creating our entire existence out of nothing. He's speaking it into existence. And he's doing, so way, doing it in such a way that uh, it's showing evidence of him throughout creation. You know, it's such an intelligent design that even if we never were to open up scripture, even if we were to never open up our Bibles, we could look at creation and see evidence of intelligent design. That's how he did it. It's so amazing. And so after he did this amazing work of six days, he on the seventh day, he does something different. And that's where we're going to be. Genesis chapter two, verses two and three. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creation that he had done. Now, it, it, we can look at that and we can understand that the word Sabbath isn't there, uh, it's, but the principles of a Sabbath is there. In fact, this is going to be the reason for Sabbath later on, as these, these verses will be referenced. Uh, so it's important to understand this idea starts at the very beginning. This is installed into creation. It's installed into all of our lives, and it's installed into perfection. Six days of work, one day to really rest. But it's important to also look at that and, and see what is God doing on his day off. He's resting, first of all, and he seems like he's reflecting on all of creation. He's looking over the work that he's done. And man, what a work. What a week, right? As successful a week as you could possibly have. You've never beaten God. You know, he created everything. Um, and so those two things are very important when it comes to Sabbath, that those two uh, aspects would be a part of each of our Sabbath, that we'd be resting and reflecting on the work that he has done, that Christ has done. We do uh, see this idea, we don't actually see this idea of Sabbath again, though, until Exodus, uh, which is interesting because, like, you know, there's a whole chapter three, the fall of humanity, sin enters the picture, and uh, we, humanity, mess things so up, mess it up so bad that we can't even, he can't even talk to us about rest until Exodus, and uh, that's when uh, God pulls the people of Israelite out of Egypt, he saves them out of slavery, and, and he's uh, now walking them to the promised land. And it was supposed to be a short journey towards the promised land. But again, we mess things up. And so uh, he has to circle around the, the desert a few times before he, we're ready to enter that place, uh, or uh, the Israelites are. And uh, along the way, he's starting to help them understand what this means to be his people. 
He's starting to help them understand that they're supposed to live in a different way. He's trying to change some uh, norms in their life. And so uh, that's what ends up happening. They, they're supposed to be uh, working for these days and taking some time off. And uh, one of the things that's happening is that he's uh, giving them this thing called manna. And so what that is, it's like a grain that would come across the land. And he instructed them that each day they're supposed to come out and gather up what they needed just for that day. And then bring it in, and they would make, like, bread out of it, and it reported that it tasted good, so that's good. Um, and then uh, they were just supposed to have enough for that day. In fact, because, you know, we humans mess things up all the time, there were some people who wanted to try, try God, and, and so they, they gathered enough for that day and more days and tried to hold some over. And it said that uh, when they did that, they would wake up the next day, and it would stink, and they would be full of maggots. Right? That's not a normal thing that would just instantly happen, uh, but it shows that God was cursing those people who were trying to not follow his law. And I think one of the key things that he was trying to teach them at that point is that he would give them enough for each day, that he would sustain them, that he would strengthen them enough for each day. But he gives some special instructions when it comes to the sixth day. And so we're going to read that in Exodus chapter 16, verses 22 to 26. It says, that, uh, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two orms uh, for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you need to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded. And it did not stink or get maggots in it. it eat, eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there, is, there will not be any. So six days they are to gather. Six days they are to collect this stuff. And on the, on the sixth day, they're supposed to gather enough for that day and the next day. So that on the seventh day, they can rest. They can come together. They can, they can experience this together. What God is trying to teach the Israelites is, again, that he can sustain them each and every day, but he also can sustain them through their rest. That they don't have to rely on their own abilities to gather this, but he can give them what they need. And you have to understand, this is such a culture shock to them. They have been in slavery for hundreds of years. They don't know a day off. They are working constantly in their life. And the only masters that they know of are, are slave drivers, are whips, are, are, are harsh with them. That's their only understanding of what it means to be a people group, is to work hard. Imagine the, the instructions that the parents must have given their kids at that time. You have to work hard, son, otherwise it's, life's going to hit you over the head. It's going to be hard. It's going it's to hurt. You've got to work hard. Constantly work. Never stop working. That would have been the mantra of that time. And yet God comes and he rescues them out of that lifestyle, and then he sets them free, and he's trying to help them understand six days you are to work, but on the seventh you can rest. This is what freedom feels like. I'm setting you free. And of course, they don't know how to experience that. There's a lot of trauma in their life. There's a lot of things that they're not quite sure yet about who God is and what it means to be his people. And that's going to take thousands of years before they're willing to accept some of those things. But he starts from the very beginning, rest, rest in my presence. Understand that I'm enough. 
how this applies to us in a lot of ways is, is we need to learn the same lesson. You know, a lot of us, uh, we can get sucked in. I, I, I'm speaking, I'm, I just FYI, uh, just so you know, this week, preach to me as much as anything's going to come to you, all right? Uh, I'm no way saying that I have any of this figured out. This has been one of those things. It's like, oh yeah, I need to work on this. But uh, we can easily get sucked into our careers, be career-minded people where we build our identity on who we are in our career. And when we do that, it's not that that's a bad thing. We are called as Christians to work hard for God that no matter what location or vocation that you have in your life, you are uh, employed by God first. So it doesn't matter if you're working at Target or at the grocery store, you're a farmer, you're a teacher, whatever you are, uh, you understand that, yes, you have a, a boss over you probably, but ultimately you are working as if you are working for God. If that's what we're called to do. It's not just here at the church who work for God. All of us are under that authority where we are, are working our best, working our hardest because we want to honor God with our work. But in that same way, we are called to then rest in that, in that same way where we are resting because God has done a mighty work through the week through you. And what that needs to be translating in your life is you understand that it's not through your power that you do your job, but it's through God's power. He's the one empowering you to do that, giving you inspiration, giving you a favor, all of those things to allow God to be coming into your employment office. That'll change some lives. That'll change some careers. Whether you're, maybe your boss can start to see you as a blessing and, and, and a joy because you are uh, seeing yourself as working for God. When we put that in the right place, then we can enjoy our Sabbath rest because God has done the work through the week and we can rest in the fact that he has done a good work and we can rest that he's also letting us rest and transform our life. God sees Sabbath such as a high priority in our life that he actually talks about it in the top 10. He talks about it in the 10 commandments. Uh, and, and so we're going to turn to that Exodus 20 verses 8 through 11 and, and he's uh, putting it there a part of these 10 things of what he wants his people to be about right uh, so he's going to uh, be sharing uh, about the Sabbath he says in verse 8 uh, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy six days you shall labor and do all your work but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God on it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner reside in your town. Uh, for on six days the Lord had made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But, uh, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the, the Sabbath day and made it holy. You know what's interesting is about God putting the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments. In a lot of ways, he, he helped us as humans understand that Sabbath can be worship to God. It is worship to God. Resting is worship. We can praise him as we rest, as we relax, as we calm down from our week as we downshift from the, our busy to-do list. Like Tony was saying, we always got more things to do. We're thinking ahead. Even right now, maybe you're thinking, how am I, what food am I going to pick up on my way to the, the picnic? Um, you know, or maybe you're just running through things. And, and what we need to understand is God calls us to a, a downshift, a calming down, a, a rest, a refreshment that can come from him. And that is worship to him. He sees that just the same as we praise his name this morning with songs. 
that we can bring that same kind of attitude to God in our rest. Here's the other thing that we should notice through the the verses, is that uh, Sabbath is not to be done individually. What you notice there is he says uh, Sabbath's for you, but he's also for your sons and your daughters, for your employees, for the foreigners, for even your animals. Like, think about that. Everyone would have been experiencing the Sabbath time together. And I think that's important for us to understand that when we have Sabbath, whenever we take our Sabbath time, that we can do that in a communal way. Whether that's Sunday mornings and you come to church and you get to experience God's presence as God's family here. And I think there's something so powerful about that. We're supposed to have this time together. And, and what's interesting is when you look at the Jewish tradition, this was a time when families would be together. They would share their faith with one another. They would share testimonies through their, about their week. Uh, their family traditions would be shared during this time. Uh, parents would take charge of their kids' spiritual growth at this time where they would invest in their kids and tell them the stories of their people about the God and, and what he's done for them. Jewish tradition even has certain sayings and blessings they would do as they start this time of Sabbath, where they would thank God for their, their work that they got to do this week, and then they would have a special time where they would gather their kids together, and they would bless them and say, you know, a blessing over them. They, they would understand that God is uh, over their rest in this time. It was such a meaningful time together. What we can see from this is there's so much intentionality when it comes to Sabbath when it comes to resting. It's not just being lazy, watching TV, and all that is, those other things. It, it, it was something intentional has happening throughout this time. But it's also important to understand that it was also not just another thing to do. It was not another thing that we, you know, at least I can say, oh, I'm failing at that too, great. It was a time of being able to get to do this, not have to do this. So the question becomes for each one of us is how can we get a little bit more intentional with our time of rest? How can you be resting? How can you be reflecting? How can you be worshiping, uh, worshiping God a little bit more through that time? See, the danger comes when we start to separate those three things from one another, when we highlight one thing over the rest, when we say, I want to, I want to experience Sabbath, so I'm going to just relax. I'm going to focus on rest. I'm just going to do that. And so you see people who experience that kind of lifestyle where they live for the weekend, right? They're, they're all about trying to figure out what's going to bring them the most rest. And so sometimes that's going out and drinking and, and just getting plastered over the week. And they say, yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to be so rested. I'm going to be doing all this stuff. I'm going to be like, you know, have, have, live my life that I want to live. And then you see them on Monday, and they do not look more rested, right? They're like, oh, what a weekend. You're like, well, that doesn't look like you did it right, you know? <laughs> you, just, you seem like you're more tore up today than you were Friday, you know? And so uh, it, it's one of those things that when we focus too much just on one, we miss it. We don't get to, to fully grasp what Sabbath is. So it's not just about rest, but it's also not just about any of those one things. We see Jesus having to address this in Mark chapter 2, uh, where he's talking to the Pharisees, and he's walking through a field, and um, actually, I'll just read it for you. It's Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. It says, uh, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain field, and as his disciples walking along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are you doing what is unlawful to the Sabbath? He answered, 
Have you never read of what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the day of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the uh, consecrated bread, which was lawful only for the priest to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. First of all, I love when Jesus does those things, where he says, Have you never read? Because you know they have. You know, he's just, it's a little bit of a, a poke from him. But I think that there's something so important. See, the Pharisees were really focusing on keeping the day holy, that they forgot to honor God through that day. In fact, they were focused so much on holiness that they forgot who made the day holy, which is God. They, they started to focus more on themselves, that they wanted to make the day about them, that they would run around and be the judges of everyone and say, oh, you weren't resting correctly. You walked too far. You, you, uh, you baked something today. How dare you? And you're like, that's how I rest, right? <laughs> and so uh, they, they were trying to be judges over the day instead of just honoring God through that time. They took the focus off of God and onto themselves as judges. And Jesus points to them and he says, God is over the Sabbath. Meaning that he's the only one that makes the day truly holy. It's not holy because it's day seven. It's holy because God has ordained it to be holy. He's the one that makes it holy. And he is the Lord over it. And he points out that he gave us this day of Sabbath as a gift. As a gift to us. Which means that uh, Sabbath for us can look different for each one of us. We don't have to get bogged down on all the rules of making sure it's on day six or day seven or whatever. It has to be Saturday. It has to be Sunday. I mean, there's whole church splits on that. We don't have to get bogged down on all of that. You can have Sabbath in any day of the week. It's about taking that time of resting, of reflecting, and praising God through that time. It's not about a specific day. It's not about a specific way. It's about you learning how to implement that into your life intentionally. The Sabbath should always point us back to Jesus. To understand the fact that the only way that we can truly rest is because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. We can only have peace and rest because of his work that he's done and is continuing to do throughout our week. He's still working in each one of our lives. He saves us, but then he sanctifies us, meaning he's working in our life and helping us un become who he's called us to be. And so we rest because he's done a good work in our life. We, need to not, uh, we do not need to be bogged down by all the rules and fears. Instead, we can rest knowing that Jesus is the true Sabbath. It is in Jesus that we find true rest. We rest knowing Jesus has done a good work through our lives. The Sabbath is a gift, like I said before, that we are supposed to enjoy. It's a get-to, not a have-to. It's not something that we should stress over and feel like we're failing, but it's a gift that will shape your life. And I speak to this as someone who's uh, been walking a journey with this one. Uh, about two years ago, I took a class, uh, one of my fuller classes, and it was on worship, and it was uh, week two. It was on Sabbath. And I remember even telling Cheryl, I'm like, how ridiculous this class was. I'm like, do you realize who your student base is? 
Uh, like we, almost all of my, my peers are working full-time. A lot of us are taking several classes. Many of us have kids already and our parents. I'm like, you're talking to some of the most busiest people I know, and you're trying to teach us about Sabbath? How ridiculous. You know, and I was like, I was, <laughs> I was being irate, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I can get this way sometimes when I'm stressed. But I was just like, this is ridiculous. Well, how does he want us to have time off? This is, this is dumb. And and I remember thinking that and then being convicted, as uh, that usually follows that kind of feeling. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, one of our assignments was to take time and actually do some of this. And so we did with our family. We had this time of Sabbath, and we were doing it. Uh, I forget which day we were doing it. I think it was Sundays. We would have this time of Sabbath, and man, my kids loved it. They locked in on it. And we did about six months, and we realized that it was necessary for our family. And it was a beautiful thing. And then, like a lot of things, when we lose our intentionality, it kind of drifted away. It was really bad when all of a sudden my kids are asking, when are we going to have Sabbath? And I was like, maybe next week. You know, <laughs> that's not a good look. But then it was about uh, four months ago that Shrill and I were just at a place where we were just feeling worn out. You know, we've gone through a lot of stages of each one of us going to uh, get educated and, and change our, our, or get a little bit more ready for our careers and all of this stuff. And we were realizing that this, this you know, stress of life is not going away, uh, that we didn't know how we were going to make it uh, to finally get to a healthy place where we could be a better family and be, uh, a, love each other a little bit more. And so what we realized is we needed to reinstall Sabbath in our life. And so we've been doing that, not perfectly. We don't have it figured out, uh, but I can just share a little bit of my family's experience with this. Uh, what it looks like is on Friday nights, usually, sometimes it, we miss one, like I said. It's not a, a, a religious, like, rule-based, like, you know, thing, um, but it's a grace thing. And so uh, Friday nights, usually, uh, we will have this time where we will uh, light a candle. And the candle is there simply just to help all of us, the kids and us, to have a transition. It is rest time. So we light a candle. It's the Sabbath candle, and then we will um, gather around the table. We'll have a snack together. Sometimes it's dessert. Sometimes it's uh, something baked. Sometimes it's just uh, whatever we picked up on the way home. Um, and then we have a time of actually like journaling when we can find the journal, that is. But we at least all talk about it. And uh, we have this time of, of sharing what are some places that we saw God work in our lives this week. And it's great because like, we get to hear from our kids and they can say, you know, God helped me with this or he helped my friend with this. And, and they get to share at that time. And then after that time, we ask, where do we need God to help us this week, uh, this next week? And then they get to share a little bit maybe about a struggle that they had. And sometimes we hear about things that they didn't tell us throughout the week, you know, <laughs> help me not get in trouble. And you're like, well, well when you were in trouble, wait, well, let's talk about that. But then we have a time of actually praying and then we read a small little kid's Bible story together. It takes about 30 minutes, and sometimes it looks perfect, and sometimes it's rough. But we try to do it together. And then after that, we'll blow out the candle, and then we'll try to spend some time together as a family, play a board game, watch a movie, something like that. And that's how we've had to do it in our house. And that's not how it has to look like for you guys. Each one of you can look at your family and say, when does that work for us? You know, we can't do Sundays necessarily because I'm, you know, we're doing this in the morning. We got youth group at night. Well, we're busy on Sundays. It's not a restful day. 
Um, so we've found that Fridays work for our family. So look at your, your, your lives and say, where does that fit in? Where can I intentionally find time to connect with my community, to connect with my family, to pour into my kids or my grandkids or my, my nieces or nephews or whoever that God has placed around you that you can share your faith with and, and just share your testimonies of your week? Where can you find that community where you can rest together and enjoy one another? And maybe you're blessed and can do it on a Sunday. And praise God that we have this ability to come together and and to worship his name as as the church. And and you can connect and use that tool as your option. Wherever it is, however it works for your family, how can you grow one step more with a little bit more intentionality in your Sabbath rest? And man, what God can do in your life when you start to do that, when you start to grow in that way. When you start to understand that Jesus is Lord over your work week and Lord over your rest. In the back, there's some handouts that uh, just give you some ideas. This isn't a perfect list. It's not extensive. It's just some ideas of ways that you can grow in some of your intentionalities with your resting, with your reflecting, with your praising, and also with finding a community to do that with. Uh, Take this and just pick one. That's, That's my challenge to you. Pick one of how you're going to grow in that area. And find a new way to do that. But ultimately, we, we give praise to God because it's only through him that we can truly find that rest. And as we rest, we can see the work that he's done through our lives and through our week. So let's pray, and let's uh, then get ready to sing some more songs of praise. God, I thank you so much that you give us the gift of rest. And God, that you don't just leave it to the side of us to do whatever we want with it, but you use it as a tool to shape our lives, to to grow us spiritually. God, that that, uh, resting can be a time of praising your name, of, of, of really relaxing and being refreshed for our week. God, I thank you that when we do Sabbath, that you don't just restore us spiritually, but you also restore us mentally and physically. God, that it, it just it refreshes every part of who we are when we do it your way. God, it's almost like you knew what you were doing when you commanded us to do this. And so, God, we praise your name. We thank you so much that you love us and you care for us and you care about every little detail of our lives and you use it to your glory. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.